0: This is Who Kicked the Corner Flag, an English soccer game show podcast.
1: And here's your host, James Rose. Hello, welcome to a fresh take on the EPL action. Since it's the calendar year end, we're putting the quiz aside for one day to recap the moments of the year. For today's mostly unscripted insanity, I'm joined by our usual suspects from the weekly show. Uh, The first guy is the leader of the Casey Spurs Passive Play Defensive Group and Trophy Awareness Support System. It's Jerobo Smith How are you, bud?
2: That is true. We are aware of trophies. Yep. And we (laughs) seek to spread the awareness of trophies, you know, one supporter at a time.
1: Being aware uh, is the key thing. Actually, exactly. Having them in possession is another thing entirely. So, you know, one We've step. graduated.
2: Some of our long-time listeners will remember the uh, Kansas City Tottenham Hotspur Supporters Book Club. Book Club, yes, um, that's right. Yes, yes. Uh, yes. And, uh, uh, yeah, so at least we're football-centric.
1: There you go. We're also here with the leader of the Casey Gunners and the man who's starting to realize again what back-to-back wins feel like. It's Boyce Richardson. How are you, bud?
0: You know, just like Wonder Woman 84... Arsenal got the monkey's paw in the aftermath of the 2020 FA Cup. And uh, here we are, you know, back-to-back wins for the second time this entire season. And we're 15 matches in, but you know what? We're on 20. We got a whole bainty points. So here we are looking at the top 13. Things are things are bright, James.
1: Oh, we'll see what happens. Like, well, that Wonder Woman movie, it could reach the top four of the year. Who knows? Um... <laughs> So before we get into these uh, recognition awards, whatever you want to call it, let's first of all recap some more recent moments from the Premier League season. Obviously, right now, as we record, we have all the Boxing Day fixtures. They're all coming thick and fast. So let's just jump right in with the first question. Jared, is it me, or is the title race still kind of wide open here? We've got a lot of teams potentially in the hunt here. What do you think?
2: It is absolutely wide open. I mean, you look, six points, six points separates nine to first. Now there are a few games in hand there. Um, and uh, uh, you know, some, some masters has to be played, obviously city. Um, so we we're talking before recording but that, that postponement. they have two games in hand. Um, most of the teams are at 15 and 16. Um, and then you have Villa also sitting at 14, uh, 14 games played. Uh, so any, Anything could happen like we were talking about with the beginning of the season. We feel like, uh, you know, this is the hegemony of past is I'm not going to say it's over, uh, but I will say that it's uh, probably we're going to peg that for a season because you have so many teams that are capable of scoring points. Uh, You have so many teams that are capable of dropping points like Spurs Uh, and Really, anything could happen, but it has been. uh, uh, There have been teams, you know, not unlike last weekend, they're, you know, like Arsenal beating Chelsea and almost bailing Spurs out. uh, And Spurs not taking advantage of it. I mean, it is, it really feels like to steal an American colloquialism in any given Sunday type of league, which is what people want, right? Sheffield United. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I mean, Uh. we could talk about that. This is, this has to be historically bad. And I know we're going to get to an award there, Uh, but it's also weird to know this early in the season, who's going down. Um, But long story short, yes, absolutely wide open. Any of these teams are capable of eating, you know, any other team and and we've talked about this in the past, you know, that, um, you know, the cannibalization of points at the top. Right. And it's going to just going to come down to, who's going to win the matches that you're supposed to win. And mm-hmm. right now, uh, Liverpool is doing that more. Um, and uh, I hate to think how things would have gone if Spurson just stopped conceding late. We are going to get <laughs> But yes, right. it is wide open. I'm not... Uh, um, I'm not counting anybody out and I'm not counting anybody in mm-hmm.
1: I was actually going to ask Boyce this question about the bottom half of the table this might be the first time that we kind of already get a really good idea of who's actually going to go down like the first three teams that immediately come to mind West Brom, uh, Sheffield United and of course Fulham but is that actually going to be the final three that go down or are there other teams still potentially in the in the mix is this to me sorry
0: yeah, James It cut it
2: it's, okay. out. Uh,
0: it's fine. Sorry. My audio is all over the place right now. I, I, I think as of right now, you're looking at three teams that have already established themselves as the ones that are going down. It's hard pressed when, when Burnley looks like, and we can talk about this maybe later. I don't really know, but they've got an American ownership group that is on its way to purchasing them right now, which looks like it's going to capitalize them to be able to purchase some players over the January transfer window in order to be able to stay up and ensure that their money is actually being invested in the proper place. Fulham have had some good results. You know, we'll see whether or not the match with Spurs goes on tomorrow and and how they do, you know, much like West Brom, they got a draw against Liverpool, which Liverpool can't seem to figure out whether or not they want to be a team that wants to win the league or a team that's going to draw low-level competition. But it's just hard pressed. Like, West Brom got waxed today by five against Leeds who is a team that can put up a lot of goals, but they're also defensively completely very vulnerable and West Brom didn't do anything. And you've got a Sheffield United team. that's on two points right now. Those two teams seem to have fairly firmly established themselves towards the bottom of the table. The question is whether or not Fulham could overtake a team like Brighton, you know, if Brighton's match today, you could look at Graham Potter and you could ask why he did what he did. Right. I mean, we, I don't want to get too far into Arsenal right now, but you look at the match against Chelsea, why is Frank Lampard not playing Olivier Giroud against a team that can't seem to stop crosses from going into the box? Graham Potter today had four strikers. He didn't play any of them until 65 minutes into the match. What are you doing against an Arsenal team that's very susceptible to goals of that nature, and why on earth would you be doing that? And I think that's why those teams are down toward the bottom of the table. I mean, Chelsea, a little bit aside, but it's why they're struggling right now. And they've only taken two out of the last 12. I, I think it's just hard press. I love Fulham. I, I kind I want them to stay up. I love their stadium. I, I, I love the, not the team so much, but I love their history. I love what they bring to the premier league. I, you know, I love, I want to dream of a 2021, 2022 season that includes them that allows for somebody to, fly over to London and just like take a trip down the Thames and and hang out and hopefully watch them lose at Craven Cottage. But I I think it's one of the great away days in the premier league. I I just don't think they've done enough. They didn't, you know, the last time they were up, they, they overspent, which I think we would all agree. And then they got relegated, but this time they've underspent and they have to make a decision as to whether or not they think their proximity to Brighton right now is enough to be able to invest in the team and hopefully overtake them. But uh, I mean, I don't think anybody on this podcast would disagree with the idea that West Brom and Sheffield United are going down. Going, I, down. I think they're just done.
1: Yeah, I think you're right. With only two points at this point, I think that is a record. I haven't actually looked up the stats yet, but Sheffield United, <sighs> crazy. So I looked it up. Oh, you did? All right, let's the hear it.
2: The lowest number of points was <sighs> 0- 07, 08. Anybody care to venture a guess? I'm gonna play the part of James here. What? Uh, yeah, you didn't know that. Oh, Engineer, black, Blackburn. Blackburn. No, yeah. I see you looking at your screen now, boys. Like that's the beauty. I mean, of I'm, the I'm, looking, video. I'm looking. I'm looking at your. Heard. I'm looking at your beautiful face. My hands are right I here. Work. I think
0: it's, <laughs> I, it's. 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 It's black. Blackburn was my guess, but I, that's yes? all I got.
1: Um. Gosh, you said it was 2007 to 2008, 0708 season. 0708. I'm gonna say. This is going to be weird, but I'm going to say like Sheffield Wednesday or something random like that.
2: Closer than you think, Derby County. What? Oh, Eleven wow. points.
1: Oh my gosh! So and they I tell are... you,
2: that record is in danger with two points. With was it? They have fifteen or sixteen played?
1: Sixteen played. yeah, So <laughs> almost halfway through.
2: Historically Ooh. bad, and that somehow still wild. not the worst. I mean, thanks to that you know, thumping today for West Brom, still not the worst goal differential. So crazy.
1: Who'd have thought let's, uh, let's go and talk about our respective teams right now, since we're again at the uh, end of the calendar year. So Jared Spurs one win out of the last five, but everyone was touting them as the, you know, the title contenders, everything was going. Oh, so well, I think I kind of teased it a little bit in the intro for you there, but what is happening with this team? Why aren't they getting the wins? Why aren't they getting the goals? They've got good quality players like Sun and Kane. What, what's happening here? And what
2: did you and I say <laughs> when all of that chatter was happening so that everyone can shut up, please? That, I tell you, you know, especially in a season like this, far too early. However, you alluded to it. They got the talent. They have the manager. Despite how polarizing he can be, the guy knows how to win. We, I still think that's true. Uh, but I, I got to tell you, this feels like spurs of old. This lack of focus and discipline and inability to close out games or be game ready and stay in matches. I mean, you look at late goal against Liverpool. Hell, you could go all the way back to that uh, those uh, that collapse with West Ham. And that was crazy, I, I, wasn't I it? I <laughs> think that was the harbinger. And when we were talking about all these title shenanigans and things like that, it was look at the points that they're leaving on the field. And West Ham, again, was the harbinger of all of this. Late against Liverpool. And then they come out and – weren't even in the same vicinity as Lester. And then you come out and then you, again, you score in the first minute. And then what do you do? You sit and you pack it in. And it's just, so an interesting stat of the, the amount of goals that we're conceding after and Ndombele is subbed off. And I know he's had fitness issues. I still maintain that it was a fitness issue and not an add-of-favor issue because I do think Mourinho favors him. Um, I think if Los can get some of his discipline under control, uh, then we could maybe see more of him. Um, but seeing an Ndombele, Winks, and Hoybier midfield, I was actually pretty excited about that. But... Then you have 10 men behind the ball, and I know Boyce is going to echo me on this, that it's parking the bus and things like that. It is tactics. I agree, and I think we have the personnel to do it. But what is killing me is the lack of focus to shut games out. Toby Aldevero's own goal, I think it was against Leicester, is a great example. Um, it is maddening. And these are matches that, you can't leave these points on the table is one argument, right? In in the prem. The counter to that is if there's ever a season where leaving points on the table is, you know, everyone else is going to do it. It's just going to make it tighter, but that's the frustration, right? I mean, we're looking at by my count. So nine plus two with some draws, you're looking at 11 points that spurs conceivably should have had had in pocket in the 75th minute or later. That's insane. That's a lot. Yeah. So when you're talking about, you know, how to close matches out, something's got to give. Something's got to change. Mm. And, you know, you, you hear all the rumors. Uh, I read one today about uh, that Mourinho is eyeing uh, Sergio Ramos. Um, oh, no. I know. <laughs> Trust I me. I didn't hear that. Our <laughs> listeners can't, if they can't hear my ponytail, I don't want that guy's ponytail. <laughs> uh, I don't mean, he has it anymore. But I just remember when we did. But I mean, it is like things <laughs> like that and shipping deli out. And, and I just, will it result in a trophy? Perhaps. But, you know, there's no such thing as a Pyrrhic victory when you have uh, um, hardware or <sighs> is there.
1: Or oh, lack of hardware, we? yeah. Well, let's uh, switch to the other side of North London here with our quick chatter about Arsenal here. Who, as I teased, have now got some victories under their belt—two uh, back-to-back victories from their last five games. But is this momentum going to keep carrying the team forward now, boys? So we really start to see that that turn. Are we going to start to see that forward momentum, or are we still have we still got a lot of issues to iron out here with this team?
0: I mean, I think there are definitely a lot of issues to iron out, but I th- you look over the next few matches, you've got a situation where you have West Brom on the weekend who just got pummeled 5-0 by Leeds, which is a team that's not really that far ahead of them in the table. Uh, you have Newcastle in the FA Cup, and then you have Crystal Palace in the league, and then you have Newcastle in the league. I, you know, you, and then Southampton, I believe it's away but it's one of those situations where you have 12 points that are completely on the offing right now for Arsenal. In the event that you get all 12 of those, you're sitting at 32 points, and I think the season looks a lot brighter. And you're also looking at a situation where not this weekend against West Brom, but probably next weekend against Newcastle, you've got Thomas Partey coming back. You know, you're just entering into the January transfer window where it looks like Arsenal are going to try and pick up an attacking midfielder on top of Emile Smith-Rowe, who's played very well over the last two matches. And things start to look a little bit brighter against teams that are lower in the table and teams in which Arsenal, Arsenal should be stockpiling points. Um, you know, I mean, the hard thing right now is getting waxed by Aston Villa and Leicester and Wolves, Right. In a match where uh, Wolves, especially, is one that's unsettling because it was the one where David Luiz got slugged in the head and ended up, you know, fracturing Raúl Jiménez's skull and still got left on the pitch, while Raúl Jiménez got carted off. It was it, it was reminiscent of that situation. I think it was it was maybe Hugo Lloris, but it was the one where uh, oh, the, Inter Milan. I, why for the life of me can I not think of who their striker is right now? The guy that used uh, Lukaku. Okay, yeah. Where, uh, you know, Lloris took his knee to his face and they still left Lloris on the pitch. And it was a situation where there was absolutely no way that if you took Romelo Lukaku's knee to your face that you should still be on the pitch. And it was the same way with the David luiz Raúl Jimenez thing. You can't fracture somebody's skull and then all of a sudden decide that that defender is fit to be left on the pitch. As of right now, you know, we're in a situation where fortunately, oddly enough, uh, William has not been able to play. Uh, that's a terrible pickup. What a squandering of dollars that is, uh, where David Luiz hasn't been eligible. You, you know, you're, you're looking a little bit younger and I, I think Mikel Arteta might very well have been saved by his, the revelation of Bukaya Saka and Emil Smith Rowe and the return of Gabrielle Martinelli but who knows i mean i think this season is is vastly wide open i think you look at the fact that at least as of right now you know if you think about these results in the way that they would have come chelsea were set to play manchester city over the weekend arsenal just won against brighton you know arsenal would ostensibly be within 6 points of chelsea right now with winnable matches upcoming to get them into the mid 20s if not the the low 30s and who knows how this season comes out. You know what I mean? It was funny to watch. Not you guys. It's funny. I, I, I enjoy you guys as Spurs fans because I think we, we look at our teams in a very practical level. And realistic sh- level. <laughs> and, and shit on them all the time. But there were Spurs <laughs> fans that were very much just parroting about Arsenal's demise, which is fair. But like Arsenal won the FA Cup trophy in July. And, you know, beyond that, They may have been terrible, but this this upcoming run gives them a chance to be able to get back in, and I'm not saying that Arsenal are going to finish above Spurs, but you give Arsenal party back, you get them a central attacking midfielder, you supplement that with some of the youth that Arsenal have, and we'll we'll see how it goes. I I mean, I I think if you're an Arsenal fan, the most frustrating thing about all of this is that you look back at the matches against Leeds and Southampton and Burnley, and you think about those stupid red cards – against lower level opposition. And you think about what it would have meant to Arsenal to be able to get four or five of those points back right now, given the state of the table and really the state of the match and the time that those matches were being played. And you think about how close Arsenal could be to to where they need to be. And I think it's one of those situations where things looked really dire. And I will be the first to tell you that I felt that way. And I would have never guessed that we would beat Chelsea 3-1. But you look at things right now with the state of play and the next four upcoming matches and you think that Arsenal might be able to worm their way back into the thick of things. And then you look at February and you see that Arsenal are away to Leicester, away to Wolves, and away to Villa, and you think, well, things things can get a little bit dire again. But to Jared's point, that's that's where we are. I, I think, you know, if Spurs if the Spurs fulham match goes on tomorrow, you know, I United somehow won in the dire death of nonsense today which is so insanely frustrating because it's like Fergie time all over again but you know I mean in the event that that hadn't happened and that United had drawn Wolves Spurs would have been able to play their way into second tomorrow against Fulham with a match against Leeds on the weekend who again you know can score a thousand million goals but uh, to to your point I, I don't want to give Spurs too much credit but I think the frustrating thing if you're a Spurs fan right now is the fact that you would assume that Liverpool are going to beat Newcastle tomorrow, but good Lord how close Spurs could be to the top of the table in the event that they were able to hold shape. It's just that Mourinho plays the most boring brand of football ever. Like, the fact that he threw all of his players under the bus after what was easily an instruction that was his fault. Like, I, you can't pretend like Mourinho told them to go out and crush them because it was obvious from a strategic standpoint, what, what he did. And it, it looked like it was coming against Wolves. And then ultimately it did. And it came against Liverpool and it came against Newcastle and it came against West Ham and it came against all these teams where you're talking about 11 points that are on the table that this Spurs team that I don't think defensively is actually all that good is somehow still managing to stay in matches. And that's gotta be frustrating.
1: But don't worry, Mourinho says it is the best team loses. So if that's what he says, then that's obviously what he means. So sure. We'll take it as it is. Uh, let's go and transition now to some of those recognitions despite unique COVID circumstances. Uh, we're going to chew over the best team of the calendar year, the player of the year, the surprise newcomers, and worst team currently of the year. Um, so, guys, is it hard to argue, oh, I'll ask this to Jared. that Liverpool continue to dominate although they might not be as strong as they were last season as it stands but would you still give them the best team of the year award
2: i mean of the calendar year i i mean i think you have to um title holders um uh you know their you know performances in europe and and the like um i i think you have to um outside of Outside of that, um, I mean, I know Boyce will, you know, at least maybe make a case for, you know, FA Cup holders and Arsenal, but I think the second half of the year might have, <laughs> squandered, might have squandered that a little bit. I mean, we, um, we did beat them in the community shield, so. I, uh I, but, I, you know, I don't know. I mean, there were, um, it's hard to argue. I think the argument for player of the year is uh uh, far more debatable Mm -hmm. um but i don't i mean still you have this is a liverpool team that you know while they're perhaps not as dominant uh this season you know they're dealing with um injuries like everybody else they're dealing with you know navigating covid and the like like everyone is um and they're still top of the charts. So that's that, that's the hallmark of good teams, right? I mean, that can weather uh that can weather these issues. Um uh, you know, to make an analogy, um I remember back in 2014, 2015 when the Kansas City Royals just couldn't lose and they were doing it from all these different contributors, right? And that's and that's Liverpool. I mean, they're they're spreading the ball around. They got a lot of different guys who can who can make things happen and they're still Um, you know uh, uh, they're still solid enough defensively um, even with a you know with an injured Virgil van Dijk so I think I think what Klopp and what that outfit has built is something that um, is absolutely worthy of acknowledgement Um, I still maintain it's frustrating um, especially with again giving up a last gasp uh, 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 goal uh, to them and in a match that we were solidly in um, that, uh, you know, that you say it all the time, you know, they, they just, they seem to find a way to gut out matches. I mean, Boyce is, you know, kind of, you know, uh, referring to Fergie time, you know, I think you have, you know, if it's been clop time for a long time now, yeah, and uh, they just find a way to gut them out.
1: Their home record is pretty impressive. I'm not sure it's the actual number, bonkers. but it's, it's got to be 60-plus now. And, it's historic. And it's like three or four years. Yeah. It's, it's historic. It's, it's pretty crazy. So if anything, they should maybe win the award on that merit. But, boys, would you agree, or is there another team that you might put into the mixer? You know, I mean, I, I think
0: if you looked at the early half of the season, you would look at their gluttony in terms of resources and central defenders and think – you know what? Fine, they won it on talent alone. But now you look to the wards, of the latter half of 2020, and you realize that Van Dyke got assaulted by Jordan Pickford. Just absolutely. I, we we've already covered.
2: was going to bring it up again?
0: <laughs> God, one of the worst calls in the entire season. But then you realize that that Gomez got hurt. Madep's been hurt. They're in a situation where their top three central defenders are out and they've drawn Fulham and West Brom, and they're still, I don't know, five, six points ahead at the top of the table. It's asinine. It's one of those things where it's a testament to the reality and the quality of their front three and their midfield, which we have made fun of Jordan Henderson so many times on this podcast. And I'm not going to stop. and and Nor am I, (laughs) because I legitimately don't think he's the quality that – they merited but you look at tiago they got him he hasn't played for i don't even know how long he's been hurt forever you, you know gg Winaldum looks like he's going to sign a, a pre contract with another team there I, you would struggle to figure out how this team continues to be able to perform at the level that they have but i, I think you have to give it to them i, I mean Man, I, the other thing. This is going to hurt me. It's going to come from the depths of my soul. But I think the second team that you have to look at, because Jared obviously, because the, the 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 call to the question that you gave was the best team. I think the second one has to be United. And it, I I don't know how. I don't know if Solskjaer just applied some witchcraft. If you talk to like Sauron or Sauramon, and he like sacrificed a little bit of his soul in order to be able to make it happen. But like, they're they've been good. It, it is a testament, you know, people talk about the fact that the, the EPL rightfully is a team sport, but you look at a, a player and maybe this will come a little bit later and he's a divy, terrible person who doesn't play football the way that I would like, but Bruno Fernandez changed the entire complexion of that team. Mm-hmm. And I think, I don't think it's appropriate to say that Manchester United have been the team of 2020, Uh, given some of the results and the fact that I still think that Solskjaer is a terrible coach. But uh, I think you have to give, unfortunately, uh, (laughs) some props to Manchester United, who I think have been the second best team Mm.
1: in in 2020. What about the best player then? What is the player that uh, for you guys has been like the standout, the the solid performer, keeps contributing when it needs to to happen? Uh, Jared, again, we'll start with you on this one.
2: Well, the answer is human and Sun. No bias. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, maybe, uh, but you look at, I mean, what, and I have to, I, it, if we're going, you know, calendar year and all of that, obviously, you know, this tandem, which is, you know, contributing to our frustrations um, in N17, because what they're doing is absurd. I mean, Harry Kane's involvement in goals. I think uh, involvement touches the record is 38 and he's at 31 or something bonkers like that. I mean, it is, and they're the work rate, the way they're finding each other, it's great. Uh, But the way Harry has kind of been dropping, dropping back. And we saw a little bit of this with Potch uh, as well. I think it was more born out of frustration rather than system back with Potch. Uh, but here you almost you know mourinho is just basically telling, look i like a big tall striker if you can hold the ball and just shoot it knock yourself out and he's doing it and you know he's finding puska's winner human son who is just s- scoring mm-hmm. now and that's the frustrating part it's that i don't know if we're not deploying or we're not giving the ball enough but you can't ask any more of him right I, I, this is, this is a guy who, you know, Boyce has said it time and time again, is that whenever Harry Kane goes down between January and March, which is the old fateful of Harry Kane for the past six seasons, we're the, our record is better. It is better. And that's even with the addition of Lucas, right? With the addition of Steven Bergwijn and all of that stuff of bringing in wingers to help, you know, Push him up the pitch mm. um, and uh, I think there's a legitimate argument, obviously mm. wearing the white hat, so I get it <laughs> um, but uh, you know, I think you can make an argument to Boyce's point um, when it comes to a uh, a player that has absolutely changed a team. Bruno Fernandez is absolutely um, in that consideration. I mean he has changed the makeup, and I say that as Spurs were i mean. Rumor's a rumor in the sun, right? I mean, hell, what we say could be a rumor, but uh, you know, Spurs wanted him, and I was very excited about that potential signing. And it really bummed me out to see him go somewhere because I think he would have been a positive impact. Um, you know, I'm a little more, a little more liberal on style of play, uh, as as our listeners know. To me and voice, um, you know, I've I've gone down a little easy in a box myself, uh, so that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> The, the reality oh, is. Oh, I miss
0: Endor so much.
2: Is that he has <laughs> changed that team. And I I think Boyce is 100% right. I don't think United are as competitive as they are now without Bruno Fernandez. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's, you know, one and two. I oh, one say.
1: And two. I'll take it. Boyce, have you got any uh, different picks? Same picks? What do you think? Jared kind of stole my thunder there. But I, <laughs> I mean, I, I,
0: it's, it's hard to argue against on. I, I Despite my anti-proclivity against him it's it's difficult but it's one of those things where i my answer was always going to be bruno fernandez i i don't think manchester united would have finished out the early half of 2020 in the same way absent him i don't think they would have finished out the later the latter half of 2020 in the same way without him i I think you can question so many of the penalty awards to manchester united throughout 2020 and we could (laughs) overanalyze all of those and bruno fernandez's proclivity for going down in the box (laughs) its so easy but the thing is that we're being honest about the the nature of the player that has been the best for his team that has changed the trajectory of his team I, I just think it has to be Bruno Fernandez because I, I think to Jared's point uh, and some of the, the, the points that we have raised on this podcast, I, I don't think Spurs are in the same place absent and Son, And I think that's an, a very easy argument, but I don't, I don't think Manchester United are in the top half of the table now or in the last campaign absent Bruno Fernandez. They've shown that in every match where he hasn't been deployed, in every match where he hasn't started, they've been terrible. And, you know, they signed Pogba years ago in an effort to be able to resolve whatever their terrible form in midfield looked like, and it didn't do a thing. And Bruno Fernandez has changed – he's changed everything. I mean, it's a situation where some of their penalties have been garbage – But he's lifted that team. You look at today's result against Wolves. I don't think last year, absent Bruno Fernandez, that's a a game that they win. And they win it today because ultimately Marcus Rashford, who I I love, I'll be honest, I love Marcus Rashford. His off-field stuff has only made me love him more. He might be my favorite non-arsenal player in the league now. But it they kept pressing and they kept going and a year ago, two years ago, I don't think they'd do it, but now they do because Bruno Fernandez has changed the entire trajectory of that team and they lost to Sevilla last year. But I I just, you can't understate it. I I think to the benefit of everybody else in the premier league, he has saved Ole Gunnar Solskjaer's job. Mm. And I think Solskjaer is a terrible coach. He is worse than Frank Lampard by leaps and bounds. And I don't think United will win anything. I think they'll lose in the semifinals of the League Cup to Manchester City. I, I, I think they'll fall out of the top four, even to the depth of Bruno Fernandez's talent. And I think he's terrible. And I, I, Jared said this before about Lampard. I think it's absolutely true. I, we don't get to really talk about the Chelsea-Arsenal match, but the fact that Lampard didn't start Giroux is the dumbest possible thing I've ever seen. You don't start – like, Walcott scored against Arsenal. A Wobie played a worldie against Arsenal. Giroux is the anti-thesis to everything that Arsenal stands for. and <laughs> would have scored a billion goals against us. You don't start him. Lampard's garbage. Mm. And I, I don't know. I hope that's the next question. I'm ready to go for it because he's terrible. <laughs> he's just awful.
1: Thank <laughs> football. I was going to say, yeah, out of all the managers, who is the worst? Now, uh, let's go and talk about the worst team calendar-wise of the year. This is going to be interesting because, you know, we we obviously talked about Sheffield United, and right now they're on track to make a, a ridiculous record. But the last season, they were, what, they finished sixth or they were top 10 easily. So how has a team like Sheffield United fallen so much? And if they're not the worst team, quote-unquote, then who technically is? And Jared, I'll start again with you with him.
2: That, you know, I think... So I was going back and I was looking and so Norwich finished bottom table on 21 points with a negative 49 goal difference. Now, if you remember though, a year ago, it was the Timu Puki show. And it was this guy. He, you know, he can't be stopped. He a- hosed my fantasy team. Just right. <laughs> He's got a funny name. Kind of character, he scores, and he scored in big time matches. I mean, it was a goal he scored against Liverpool. Like there were things that you know, he was that we thought, okay, this is a team that you know the Canaries are gonna hang around. He finished nine games in a row. And this was a team that Spurs beat in the FA Cup quarterfinal on penalties. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That you didn't bad. have to do that to yourself, Jared. There was no need. I'm being honest. I'm being honest. Didn't they so, beat
1: Manchester City too? Am I? Am I making that they up? They did.
2: <laughs> yes. So oh. now, I mean, to finish on that, the asterisk, of course, is COVID. You had that break, and you're coming back, and you're trying to go. You're trying to get in the rhythm and try and get in the cadence. And I think that is for a smaller club. There is. I mean, I think we have to acknowledge that if you're a big six club with that kind of money and keeping everyone together, be it training facilities, lockdowns, I mean, for God's sake, even the food, right? Avoid that dodgy lasagna and then we can get everyone together. But so I think that's why it's even worse against Sheffield is that they were in and they were in and they had this consistency and they came in. Now, I am not well versed on the in and out transfer revolving door of blades however how is it how is it this bad you fall into more points statistically i mean that's the thing it is statistically awful therefore you gotta go with sheffield because of that downward trajectory yeah boys would you agree with that
1: uh,
0: Jared keeps getting to start first, but yes. <laughs> <Smart>. <laughs> <laughs> I'll give it to no, you next, boys. No, look <laughs> into Sheff-
2: your house and stole the talking points. <laughs> yeah. Sheff- Sheffield are
0: terrible. I mean, there's just no, there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. I mean, they're they're bad. Yeah. Norwich were, were better. Um, you know, you look at a team like West Brom, they got waxed 5-0 today by Leeds, but they've drawn Liverpool and they've, they've drawn City. Uh, they're, Sheffield had just been terrible. I mean, they, they, I, you know, they they just got they got waxed by Arsenal as well. Like Ollie McGoldrick scored a, a worldie in the seventy eighth minute or something along those lines. But they they don't have anything. Mm-hmm. They have nothing in attack. They don't look like they're capable of defending. Really, I mean, today, <laughs> Burnley is kind of the running joke in the Premier League. But you looked at Burnley, Sheffield United, and you were like, I don't know, nil no, nil. No. Probably, I mean, did anybody think a goal was actually going to be scored in that match? And then you look at the way that the goal was scored in that match, and you're like, yeah, well, that was probably the way that the goal was going to be scored in that match. I, they're they're terrible. I, it just it, it's got to be infinitely frustrating for Blades fans because they were they were have decent opposition last year, but they've been exposed in a way this year that. Their problem is they're looking at a reality where they're 16 matches in, I think 15 or 16 right now, and they're on two points. And if you're the ownership of that club, are you looking at kind of the 2021-2022 season and and thinking about like stop salving everything that's going on right now and just looking towards like potentially promotion again? Or are you trying to fix it? Mm -hmm. And – If you're a near relegation club, man, I I know that that West Brom are on eight, so it's only a six point differential. But yeah, (laughs) like, and West Brom got torched today, so the goal differential's the thing. But where are Sheffield United going to get points? And at some point, I think if you're the ownership of that club, you just you take it. You, you kind of just stop the bleeding for a little while. You rebalance the the finances of the club, and you, and you hope for the best. They're yeah. they're bad. Yeah. They're they're bad. Really, 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 really bad.
1: <laughs> well, let me ask you both one last question before we wrap this episode up. And I will start with you, boys, on this one. Uh, let's go ahead and pick the best and the worst manager of the calendar year, and that can include obviously managers that have just come in um so boys we'll go ahead and start with you you can choose which one you say first worst or best but uh what are your what are your thoughts
0: man so you said the entire year which this um, this is completely unfair but <laughs> i'm gonna take it anyway because i get to go first which makes me feel great i
2: i knew it was coming
0: frank lampard it's frank lampard <laughs> like i'm gonna steal this from jared because he i don't know who he's gonna take next but
2: <laughs> i was gonna say
0: <laughs> i uh, you can't you can't spend the level of money that Chelsea have spent and be as trash as Chelsea have been. You just can't like, and I, we'll factor in all the things that have happened with COVID, right? Like Kai hobbard has got it. That's terrible. And I, I, I'll say, I'll say this before I go into any of the rest of this. I don't want to see any professional athlete degraded by what has happened with COVID. I think it's terrible I think the reality that we are exposing these athletes to this is terrible and I think Kai Havertz has been a victim of it because he's one of the people that was rocked by it the most so I'll put that aside but <laughs> like Lampard got Ziyech Havertz Chilwell Werner and he can't do anything like as of right now So let's look at, uh, they ostensibly would have played City on the weekend. There's a chance that, like, Arsenal could be within three of Chelsea come this weekend, and that's awful. (laughs) It's, It's awful. Like, given Arsenal's form, that is horrendous, and Lampard's not done anything. He's not done anything with that team. And I'll echo a sentiment that I made earlier, which is the fact that, like, the idea that Lampard looked at this Arsenal squad and thought, I'm not only going to not start Olivier Giroud, down 3-0, I'm not even going to substitute in Olivier Giroud, is just the most ridiculous thing I've potentially yet encountered. So, mm-hmm. I I will laugh at Mourinho and the fact that that he has made some really ponderous, terrible decisions for Spurs. In some ways, they've worked out for Spurs. So I think it's one of those things that you kind of have to counterbalance the fact that, like, I have laughed at Mourinho's decisions for Spurs when they've gone bad. But in some ways, like the Man City game this this year, right? Like, Spur, like Man City Pep played directly into Mourinho's little, like, shelobs web trap and got caught. And you have to give Mourinho credit where credit's due. But the blame for the 2020 calendar year goes to Lampard because he's been garbage. And I don't care that they got into the round of 16 in the Champions League. They were in a crap group where they got owned by Sevilla in a match and the rest of their competition in the third and fourth spots were garbage. So don't, don't give me that. Like, he's been terrible. Chelsea have underperformed and Roman Abramovich should be embarrassed by the fact that he spent 200 million pounds and they're top six and they might be
1: worse. (laughs) Jared, uh, obviously Lampard was your pick, but uh, do you have a a
2: second? I mean, I, it's hard to argue with that. It, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, yeah but, you know, they just drew Krasnador. <laughs>
0: um, I mean, you guys lost to Antwerp, so...
1: True.
2: <laughs> How much money do we spend? Not that much. Garrett <laughs> um, yeah, Bale working out real well. That I mean, hey, he's not <laughs> play in, right? Uh, man, I mean, it's... Because when we're talking about, you know, managers, you can't really, I mean, we're talking about, given that type of money, and I think Ole has to be in, has to be in the discussion as well, um, because the whole time in this episode, we've been talking about not Ole's tactics, we've talked about the deployment of Bruno Fernandes, who's objectively one of your best players, so he doesn't get credit for just being able to select the best player on his team and deploying him. So I think Ole in the long run has probably done far more damage to this Manchester United team than improvement. So I think in the long run, um, I mean, we've talked about you know vacillating back and forth to when is the guy going to go? I mean, I remember when Poch was sacked and the it was one or two episodes before where we thought, well, it's going to be, it's going to be Oli. He's gone. There's no way he's going to stick around. I think Men and Blazers pose a fabulous question that, uh, you know, uh, you know, legitimately, if Mikel Arteta were not classically handsome, would he still have a job? And I think these are the questions <laughs> that the people want answered. And I am here for it because I really, you know, I I I want I I want answers to this. I
0: mean, I'm the Arsenal fan here, but I got to say, like, he won the FA Cup, right? Like, I, I mean, I. I think the question is, if he were classed not classically handsome and hadn't won a trophy, would he? And I don't know what the answer to that is. But
1: real quick, I... I'll get I'll get your guys' uh, best managers as well. So obviously we talked about Lampard and Ole being not so good, but uh, who sticks out as as the consistent or the one that really does uh, do well for their team?
2: Oh man! Well, I'll I'll let boys go first again. I, uh... I feel like Jared's just <laughs> playing this off
0: on me because I was sitting here trying to think about who that well, would actually mine. be. Do you I mean, really? Oh, yeah. Uh, ooh. Uh, man, like uh, part of me thinks like Graham Potter, but I just because he's managed to keep a Brighton squad who are, have a low level squad. But I, man, Aspira, I think Espirito sure. Santo. I'm going to go with
2: no. Nuno. That's the answer.
0: Yeah, I, I think that the depth of that squad is nothing. And you saw that today uh, during the United match that they try to deploy uh, a B-level squad for them. And despite having Armand Traore, who I love, I think he's great. I would love to have him in Arsenal. And, uh, you know, a couple, of, so big. A, a couple of other players that I, I think that are truly a positive. But you you take half the talent out of the Wolves squad. You take Raul Jimenez out, as we discussed earlier. And they just don't. Have the talent? They, you know, they have. They don't have an eighteen. They have a fifteen, and it's not good enough. There's just not enough. So you look at what he's been able to do to that squad, and I think you look at them kind of the same way that you look at Sheffield this year. They're just better, right? Like that that squad has more talent. They're a better squad uh, inherently. They're capable of being able to finish and the like. 12 to eight level range in the premier league, but you have to look at what Nuno's done and, and be impressed. Cause he's got, you know, <laughs> seven players that could start for the Portuguese national team. And then he has, he has nothing. You know, he just, their backup goalkeepers, terrible. They, they just don't have the squad depth to be able to compete. And I was actually sad for them today i think that they played united very 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 well and but that's what happens right like it's it's inevitable that like the team that has the better players suddenly catches a break and today that's exactly what happened rashford caught a break he got a deflection it ended up in the back of the net but nes can't do anything beyond what he's already done and i yeah
1: jib you agree
2: I do. I mean, we've talked about this over and over again, that Wolves are, uh, that's a tough match. They are well coached, they are organized, and they are well deployed. So there is, there's no argument there for me. Um, I think in the discussion uh, is uh, Brendan Rodgers in that Leicester squad. Um, uh, I think that, um, you know, despite their stumblings and things like that, again, I mean, Klopp gets a lot of credit for, being almost the Phil Jackson Zen master of our generation of just keeping, keeping that machine going. Right. And when you're talking about that much money and that much personality um, you know, those guys want to play for him. So I, you know, Klopp, yes, he has the checkbook and he has the caliber of players, but I do think he gets credit for uh, again, uh, getting results out of that out of that squad and consistently, consistently getting that out. Um, but outside of the big six outside of NES, I think Brendan Rogers, um, you know, taking what was already, a, you know, a very talented and well coached and organized Lester squad. And I think you can argue that they are as consistent, um, uh, as by way of contender as they were when they won the league. And that's the, that's kind of the mark, right. You know, manager comes in, you know, what, what has he done, you know, positively or not. And, uh, you know, um, I, I think he's got to be in that conversation.
1: Well, that is all a fascinating list, guys, of teams of good or bad or managers, good or bad. So we'll have to see how they progress moving forward, if any of them get any better, if the ones that we think are doing good suddenly do bad. But let's all hope that Lampard does a little bit better. That's a lie. I don't, I don't care about that at all. <laughs> um, but, uh, guys, final question, then we'll wrap it up here. Top four predictions. Uh, quick Quick answers here. Jared, what do you think?
2: Oh, God. Um, in no particular order, uh, Liverpool, Leicester, Spurs, and United.
1: All right, boys,
0: Liverpool, Man City, Leicester, and oh man, I don't know. None of the rest of the answers make me <laughs> happy.
2: Uh, <laughs> I was about to say, I was like, dude, you just, you played chess against yourself, man.
0: <laughs> Chelsea, <laughs> I I Chelsea, one. Chelsea, I don't
2: know. Chelsea, I'll be honest.
0: I I, I think uh, that fourth spot is difficult. I, I think it's just as likely to be Spurs as it is Chelsea. I, I think, uh, I think those first three are pretty solid, though. I was going to say I both s-
1: agreed on Leicester, which is interesting. So I kind of like that. Well, I, I,
0: it. I think, oh, man, Jared's comments earlier really about Leicester are accurate. But I think if you're a Leicester fan, you have to look at Brendan Rogers' shot towards the latter half of the earlier part of the season and think, what the hell happened? I mean, they had a, it's they true. Had like an, almost a fifteen point lead, yeah. and they ended up in the Europa League. Which I'll be honest, I, I look at the rest of the teams in the Europa League this year, and I, I'll put. I know this isn't a question I'll put lesser as the, the leaders, I think in terms of odds of of winning that
1: competition. Love it. Well, we'll see what happens guys. It's going to be interesting, but that is it for today's episode. And that is it for another calendar year roundups. Crazy time flies. Uh, As always, don't forget to subscribe to our weekly shows and you can find us of course on our social media at kick flag on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook until next time, folks.